0: Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and Lord, once again, we are gathered here together on a Sunday morning, our worship service, and Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be, have freedom to work in each heart and life here today, and Lord, that truly we would worship you in a way that would be acceptable to you that you would enjoy, that you would be able to be present and work in our hearts and lives. And Lord, we ask that our worship to you in singing, and giving, in prayer, in the time of invitation, in the preaching of your word, Lord, would encourage each one of us to live differently through this coming week, that we may reflect your glory and your message to the world in which we live. Lord, we ask that our worship, here this morning, would be beneficial to our service to you throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Children, going down to the children's church to be dismissed. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and open up to Luke chapter 2. This morning's message is going to be a little different than many that have been. And uh, we're not going to be sticking in just one passage, but kind of just wandering the whole way through the Gospels again. kind of uh, taking our Bible study on Sunday nights as we are going through the Gospels. Just another lesson or two, and we will finish our, our harmony of, of the Gospels. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Now, uh, the story actually starts... Uh, in verse uh, 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother. "...knew it not. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsmen and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions." And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. This morning, I'd like to preach about the Father's business. You know, so often we talk about the Bible and we talk about serving God. And we we do want to understand the church of Jesus Christ is not a business. Uh, now, we have to uh, conduct business I mean we pay our utility bills and and, and uh, uh, all of the purchases and the different things and and the state of New York has asked us to have trustees that deal with the business of the church and i I thank the Lord for our trustees that uh, serve with me brother Dave brother Jason as they help us but In in a real church, the business of the church is done by the church. The trustees—all we do are we are the liaisons. We have to sign the papers, but we bring everything before you. And this is one of the things that we were trying to straighten out at Community Baptist was uh, they had a board of trustees and they conducted most of the business of the church and then told the people what they did and. And, of course, that is a mentality that is held over in in many, many churches. But in the church of Jesus Christ, the church conducts its own business. That's why we bring things to the church. Now, we're not going to bring purchases of supplies for the bathrooms and all of those things before the church. And we don't vote on everything uh, that uh, goes on, but all major purchases are here, and the church uh, uh, gives authority to take care of the day to day work. and so but a church is not a business, it's not to be run like one. Uh, someone once said, "Well, this is a democracy, isn't it? No, it's not a democracy. it 's a church. it's supposed to be led by the pastor. But if nobody's following, then the pastor's doing something wrong. And we are to work together because the head of the church is not the pastor. Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ is the head. And we together are to work together to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's interesting that Jesus used this phrase as he was neither condemning or rebuking he was not saying this in a condescending way he he was just making a simple statement do you not understand who I am do you not remember what I am supposed to be about how is it that you did not understand that if I wasn't present this is where I would be now many of our uh, modern scholars they they just love to change the words And they say, that really shouldn't say uh, about my father's business, but about my father's house. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus need to go to the temple to find out about God? I mean, talk about silliness. Talk about trying to read back into the Bible your own preconceived Wicked human ideas about what the Bible is about and what church is about. You can't be a part of the true church of Jesus Christ until the issue of eternity is all settled. You don't come to church so that you can be close to God. Because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you every moment of every day. How can you get any closer to God then you did the moment you got saved. Can we say amen to that? Oh. Oh, well then I don't need to come to church. Wrong. We'll, we'll take care of that before the end of the sermon here. But Jesus made a statement. He said, I've got business to take care of. Now, in New York City, we understand what that means. I think we are the busiest city I would. I, I think we could make claim to be in the busiest city on the face of the earth. Uh, we are already known, our, our nickname is the city that never sleeps. And visitors, one of the first questions they ask is, we'll get on the subway and, do these things run all the time? 24-7, only only closed down in the events of hurricanes or uh, nervous mares or other things like that. Great catastrophe is going to happen, but... Uh, This city runs 24-7, and you can get into a traffic jam just as easily at 2 a.m. as you can at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m., especially since they started doing all the major construction at night. I mean, it can really uh, tie you up. This city's got a lot of business. In fact, every major city on the world in the face of this earth has business in this city, do they not? Uh, so, there. I mean, I, I don't want to waste a lot of time, but Jesus said, I've got to be about my father's business. Now, I just want to, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. Some of them I'm going to read to you, others we're going to turn to. So, uh, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 very quickly here. And I want to read to you from Psalm 40 in verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, this verse from Psalm 40 is quoted. And uh, we're going to start reading in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 6. It says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hadst no pleasure. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. How the law never saved anyone. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. And all God's people said. We we understand. Of all people, we understand the main business that Jesus was here to attend to was that of our salvation. But he lived 30 years in virtual obscurity. The wise men found him when he was about two years old. Uh, The shepherds came and worshipped him the night he was born. Then we only have this other story here of Jesus when he was about 12 years old, went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And as the feast is finished, Jesus goes into the temple. And he's sitting there in one of these many rooms in the temple talking with the doctors. These were the chief of the scribes and the lawyers. It was their responsibility to copy and Understand the Word of God. These are what we would call today the scholars, the the college professors. If you were going to learn something, these were the people that you talked to. Now, it's a silly question, but we just need to give voice to it so we can deal with it. Was Jesus trying to get knowledge from these people? Uh No. Was Jesus trying to teach them? Not necessarily. He was a 12-year-old boy. His ministry had not started yet. You know, as I thought, why was Jesus there? What business would he have had there? Now, this is just my thought, but I, I think I'm pretty well in line with the Word of God when I make this statement where was the Word of God? Where was the written Word of God that Jesus would have access to? A synagogue might have two or three scrolls. It might have uh, uh, certain portions. But let me tell you, in the temple, the doctors had the complete record of the Old Testament. You know, so much of what Jesus was doing, so much of the business... That he took care of was to set an example for you and I. Was to teach us what things were important and what things were not important. That would have been the only place in the land of Israel where anyone would have had access to a complete copy of the Old Testament. I I believe Jesus was there because the word of God was there. And he was trying to simply set a precedent for us, if you are going to be, Jesus was about his father's business. How has God communicated to us? How do we know what God wants us to know? Now, if you're of a charismatic faith or persuasion, uh, the TBN crowd, you kind of just sit there and go, ooh, and wait until you feel something. And, uh, That's not Bible, because you can feel all kinds of things that simply are not true. I'm often reminded on this subject, as a young man in middle school, my mother forced me to learn how to play the piano. And, of course, you all know how great a piano player I am because none of you, except maybe my children, heard me play ever more than a little ditty. Uh And one of the reasons I was so adverse is my piano teacher made me learn the song, You Light Up My Life. And I can't tell you, I, I just say the title and I, I'm seeing the music and I'm, I'm sitting there remembering the pain in my fingers as I'm stretching out and trying to play all this and I remember reading one of the lines in the song in the last course It can't be wrong if it feels so right. That's blasphemy, my friend. That is blasphemy. Jesus is not your boyfriend. He's not your best friend. He's not your homie. He's not any he is God. You see, we need to understand something. God communicates to us through words. Amen. God has given us a word. I believe Jesus was about his father's business. He was trying to get access to the words, the written word. Of course, he as God would have known that, but he still needed to train his human body there. But the important thing was, the whole purpose was, he was setting an example for you and I that the Word of God, if we're going to be about our Father's business, we had better be people of this book called the Bible. The words are important. If you want to know why I, uh, uh, on and on, why I get upset, why I continually bring before you the foolishness of the commentators and the scholars of our day, is because the devil really understands what's going on here far more than you and I do it most of the time. And he understands that the battle is about the words. That's why they try to change them one by one. I remember listening to a talk show. I think it was Rush Limbaugh's show. And he was there complaining (coughs) That under President Obama there was a whole movement there about the words of the Constitution really don't mean the words. And they were using the same exact arguments that the Bible haters have used for, uh, generations now, over a hundred years to cast aspersion upon the words so that they can change them and manipulate them to say what they, I even sent them an email. Of course, I didn't even get a response. But the simple truth of the matter is, the devil knows that if he can attack the words, if he can change the words, then this book no longer means what it says. Let me just read you a few verses. John chapter 10, verse 21. Here's what... Um, I'm sorry, John chapter 3, verse 34. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Does anybody remember who said that? It was a fellow named John the Baptist. And as John the Baptist was speaking about Jesus, he said, <clears throat> He is the one that's going to speak to us the words of God. In John chapter 6, verse 63, after Jesus had spent that entire uh, uh, diatribe against the foolishness of the scribes and the Pharisees and, yea, the religious people, He said, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It is sad. It is tragic that one of the few places where Jesus was speaking symbolically or spiritually about what was going on there, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, he was speaking spiritually about those things, partaking in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are some churches that take that so literally that they executed people who refused to believe that you weren't actually eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus. Of course, can I tell you one of my favorite stories I tell all the time about the poor Catholic man that married an Anabaptist wife in the Middle Ages and they continually harassed her to recant her faith and become a Catholic and finally... She told her husband, she said, listen, she said, if you'll go to the priest and get the directions, the ingredients, and allow me to make the Passover, uh, the the bread for the mass, the wafers, I will bake it according to his instructions. I will do everything just the way they tell me to. If they will only give me the privilege of making the bread and the priest will come to our house and officiate the mass, he said, I'll become a Catholic. And uh, he went and talked to the priest. The priest agreed and it came over and finally the day she did everything just the way he said. And she said, now before we do this, priest, I've got one question to ask. You say that when you pray over this bread, it changes from normal bread into the very flesh of Jesus Christ. It's no more what it was. And he said, that's exactly correct. And she said, then it won't matter that I bake the bread with arsenic, will it? Because when you pray, it will transform into the flesh of Christ and it will no longer be poisonous. Because if it doesn't work, we're all going to die. And the priest went off saying things that no priest ought to say. And her husband finally woke up and realized that it was nothing but... A tradition of man that had nothing to do with reality. Because if it had, now she knew what she was doing. And it's interesting that that story has been preserved for us. I don't know how or where. I just picked it up over the years. But you see, that's what the church taught. And in those days when that story was supposed to happen, you could be sentenced to death burned at the stake, buried alive, drowned in a river for refusing to believe that that piece of bread transformed into the very flesh of Jesus because of the prayer of the priest. By the way, the Catholic Church hasn't recanted that doctrine. I want you to understand that words mean something. Jesus was about his father's business because he was at the only place in the world at that time where he would have access to the written word of God. Jesus wasn't there to teach because if he was, they would have all been upset at him because that's what happened when he taught them a little later now, wasn't it? Jesus wasn't there to learn because obviously he is God. He is the author of the book. He doesn't need to learn anything, but he wanted to set an example. If we're going to be about Father's business, we've got to be about these words. I like what Simon Peter said. Then Simon Peter answereth him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast what? The words of eternal life. In John chapter 10... The Pharisees and the Sadducees had sent men to apprehend Jesus in the temple while he was preaching and teaching. And here's what he said. These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can the devil open the eyes of a blind? How how can Jesus speak these words? These These are not the words of a crazy man. He told the disciples in John chapter 14, the night he was betrayed, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. In John 17, the Lord's prayer, the Lord's true prayer, as he prayed on his way to Gethsemane. And that prayer is recorded in that entire chapter. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I want to challenge you today that if you're going to be about the Father, Jesus said, I'm about the Father's business. He was there because of the Word of God. That was the Father's business. But Jesus did far more than just read the Word of God and preach and teach. Jesus had some works, did he not? I mean, how many times? And let me just read a few of these for you. John five thirty six. But I have greater witness than that of John. John spoke of Jesus. Jesus said, I have a greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. John ten twenty five. Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. Verse 37, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. Verse 38, but if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. John chapter 14, verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. You see, the works that Jesus did were a testimony to his deity and were proof That he was who he said he was. How many of you remember the story of the man of palsy? He couldn't walk. He was born a four. They cut up the roof. They dropped him down. And Jesus asked him a question. Is it easier to say, son, thy sins be forgiven thee? Or rise up and take up thy bed? Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now, which is easier to say? Well, it's really easy to say, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Is it not? Hello? That's, that's easy to say, because nobody can check you up on it. But when you say, rise, take up thy bed and walk to a man who's been paralyzed for years. Well, uh, that's kind of hard to argue with now, isn't it? And by the way, what Jesus did is not what they do on the TVN network. Amen? Uh, I remember meeting a man years ago, and he showed me a picture He said, this happened in Africa and it was a school bus and it was full of crutches and wheelchairs and and, uh, different implements to help people to walk. And the claim was that all of the people who had used these implements didn't need them anymore. And they had thrown them all in this school bus and just happened that this evangelist had someone to take a picture of it. Now, how many of you believe that? If you do, see me afterwards and I will sell you the Brooklyn Bridge, all right? Uh, we'll put the money in missions. Uh, there's a lot of things that happened in Africa because back in the 30s and the, and the 40s, when these things happened, before the World War uh, II happened, it was almost impossible to check up on anything. Now, nobody's making those claims today because all you have to do is pull out your iPhone and hit uh, news stories and, and go to Snopes.com and it'll say, yeah, he's a fake. And, and so we, we have ways of checking up on, but back in those days, they thought they were pulling off something. Listen. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 24, If I had not done among them the works which no other man did... They had not sinned, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And I want to challenge you that Jesus' life was about the father's business. Jesus' life was about the words of God. Uh, We don't have time. Go through the Sermon on the Mount, the highest standard of morality known to mankind is proposed in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, it is required for the entrance to heaven that you pass the morality standard as set forth in the Sermon on the Mount, which can only be fulfilled in the life of any individual vicariously through the gift of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not through any works that you could do for sure. But through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The works that Jesus did. Jesus was busy. John himself said at the end of his letter that if every letter, if every work that Jesus did were recorded, There'd be no room in the world to hold all the books that should be written to tell about the things that Jesus did. He sent the twelve out in groups of two and then followed all of them. Now, Jesus could only be in one place at one time in his physical presence. But I'll tell you what, he was busier than any ten normal people. Then he sent out 35 groups of two a little while later and he followed all them. I, I, I will tell you that Jesus was not hiding his power and his ability as almighty God wrapped up in human flesh. He was doing things that only God could do. In fact, when he went to the grave of Lazarus, who had been in the tomb for four days and said, Lazarus, come forth, many of the religious leaders, many of the capital J-E-W-S left and started following Jesus because they could not gainsay the works. Of course, we know the greatest work that Jesus did refers to our salvation. And I want us to understand some things. Jesus, the night he was betrayed instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or Communion. It only took a few moments at the end of the Passover meal, which would have taken several hours. Then Jesus washed the disciples' feet and they left the upper room and they began a walk across the city of Jerusalem to a garden called Gethsemane. John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 happened during that walk. I'll tell you, if I only were allowed one portion of Scripture, that would be what I would want. John 14 through 17. If I could only study a few chapters for the rest of my life, that's what it would be. Those were the words that Jesus gave the disciples on his way to Gethsemane and later to the cross. Jesus was about his father's business. The night he was betrayed, he spent three hours praying in Gethsemane's garden. Now, I will tell you, as a church, we've had several all-night prayer meetings where we spent more than three hours praying about certain things. And I want to challenge you, uh, men, we, we, as a church, we probably need to get another one of those on the schedule. We've, we've got some real serious things coming up, especially with this church and Riverhead and other things, and, and we need to pray. Jesus was about... The Father's business. And what did he pray for for three hours? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In fact, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Let's just spend a few moments... Starting in verse 36 of Matthew 26. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again. "...the second time, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise... Let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Now, those last two verses almost seem contradictory, but what Jesus is saying is there's no more time. You can sleep as long as you want. Of course, they weren't going to sleep because there was a band of soldiers coming with Judas to arrest Jesus. The disciples would flee. Peter was going to try to defend Jesus and cut off his ear. And the only miracle that Jesus did... During this time, between the time of the Last Supper and his resurrection, was to heal the man whose ear Peter cut off. And he told Peter, put up your sword. You're not not going to protect me. Oh, I wish we could just impart that to the religious world. That if your God is so little that you have to protect him, he is indeed a very little God. The God of the Bible needs not my protection but he does want me to be about his business. Amen? Jesus was about his father's business and that cup uh, was the cup of the wrath of Almighty God. We're going to see that cup again in the book of Revelation and it talks about the dregs uh, of the cup and how that in uh, even preserved wine without alcohol, there is Usually parts of the grape and all of those things in there. And I don't know about you, but when I drink grape juice or anything like that, I'm glad that it's been triple filtered and there's no little things floating around in it. That, that kind of bothers me. I don't know about you. And, uh, uh, traditionally what they did in those days and even with wine today, they, they do not preserve, uh, Grape juice, the same way they do alcoholic wine, you'll have all the sediment reserved in the bottom of the cup. That, those are the dregs, and that's what God is going to pour out upon this world during the tribulation period in a great and terrible fashion. Yet Jesus drank the main contents of that cup. He took the wrath of God that you and I deserve. You know what, that was the Father's business. The Father is a perfect accountant, my friend. Every sin, every transgression, every deed, every wicked thought is recorded in God's books. And the only way that record can be expunged is paid in full with the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus took the wrath of Almighty God... I believe it was Harold Seitler, the old preacher, that said that Jesus accomplished in one day what would take every human being an eternity in hell to accomplish. He fulfilled the wrath of God completely. He, being the infinite God, was able to accomplish in a finite time what would take every human being an eternity to do. And you can escape an eternity in hell. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Father's business. Amen? Resurrection uh, Sunday. As Mary was weeping at the tomb, Jesus walked up behind her and just uttered her name. And immediately she knew who he was and turned around. And what did Jesus tell her? He says, touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, and to my God, and your God. And yet we read in Matthew's account, we'll cover this on Easter Sunday, that we read in Matthew's account that the other two women that were with Mary were heading back to tell the disciples, and Jesus appeared to them and they held him by the feet and worshipped him. You know what that tells me? That between that moment that he appeared to Mary and those moments later when he appeared to those other two women, he had ascended into heaven. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, To serve the living God. This was the business of the Father. Read Isaiah 53. It says it pleased him. Talking about God the Father to bruise him. It says that he looked upon the travail of his soul and was satisfied. God takes care of his business. Can we say amen to that? Jesus was in the temple. I believe because that's where the Word of God was. The first thing we know about Jesus was He brought to us God's words. He revealed things about God that had been kept secret since the foundation of the world. And then He did the works to prove the words. And then He died on the cross to fulfill every Ounce of God's wrath and satisfy it so God could be perfectly just in forgiving us. He fulfilled every letter of the law. Never once did he sin. But in the Sermon on the Mount, may I read you a verse? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust Jesus said that at the end of this entire presentation of a new level of holiness demanded of the believers and the servants of God he said that we might be the children of our father Jesus was to be the first begotten of many brethren It tells us in the book of Galatians that we've received the adoption of sons, that we might call God the Father, Abba, Father. Now, that word is the most intimate term in the Greek language, in the Hebrew, the language that is there in our Bible. In English, we would say daddy. Now, it's hard to think about going into the very throne room, Hebrews chapter 4, in the presence of God, the ruler of the universe, and saying, I love you, Daddy. Daddy, will you help me? I mean, that's, God's business to give us the right to enter in. We, we are to become as little children. We are to follow God as dear children. When I ever hear one of my children walking up and saying, Oh, Father dear, will you help us? I know something big and bad is about to happen. But I'll tell you, when, when something is really going on, they're not saying Father. They're saying, Dad! Because there's a connection there. You see, we have a relationship with God. You can have that relationship with God. Because Jesus took care of his father's business. And we say amen to that. Now, if we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brethren, if he is not ashamed to call us his brothers, if we will touch not the unclean thing, we'll be made the sons and daughters of God Almighty Can I ask you a question? Is it any less important for you and I today to be about our Father's business? Amen? Now, I am glad that we don't have to do what Jesus did. He said, it is finished. His work is done. But there's some things that we can do. Acts chapter 5 and verse 20, the angel freed the disciples from the prison. And here's what he said to them. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. I want to challenge you, words are still important. One of the things that I have striven for, one of the things that I have worked hard on as the pastor of this church from the time there was, before even there was a church, I wanted people that attend this church and people who are members of this church to have a working understanding of this book called the Bible. I can't tell you how many churches I visited on deputation raising support, and and I was afraid of. Uh, as I talked to people in those churches, I said, "You couldn't even explain John three sixteen to me." That's that's a tragedy, my friend. The father's business is the words of God, and I I want every member of this church to understand the words of God. To be able to explain those words to another person. To show someone else how they could know their sins are forgiven. By the way, if you didn't understand those words, how did you get saved? You had to call upon the name of the Lord. You had to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection. Amen? Uh, the Bible is not a complicated book. It's the words of God. And if we're going to be about our Father's business, we got to be people of this book. And it never fails to amaze me how many people will look me straight in the face. Say, oh, I love God. I love the Bible. I read it every day. You see, Jesus was about God's words, but he had works to back up his words. Should we be any less serious about having works to back up our words? Hello? Amen? Oh, me? It's amen if you agree and oh me if you need to get it right. Amen. But we're supposed to, for so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be Witnesses unto me, both in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Can I challenge you, if we're going to be about our Father's business, as saved individuals, number one, we got to be about this book. And I'll tell you what, you can't learn this book unless you spend some time with it. That's why we give out a Bible reading schedule. And and that is minimum requirements. You should be doing more than that. say, Pastor, that is so, so, so heavy compared... Well, Jesus was about His Father's business. I don't believe that He deserves five minutes of our day. I believe that our life should be about the Father's business. That we're going to have to get serious about spending some time in this book because... Faith produces works. But faith comes from this book. Amen? You cannot have true faith. People have faith in the dumbest things. Oh, it is terrifying what people have faith in. People I met people, I have faith in science. Well, how many times have they rewritten scientific textbooks in your lifetime? How much scientific, oh, uh, I guess most of you have heard the new one, the new level of stupid, the flat earth. Uh, All those pictures, they're fakes. They're not real. Go back to scratching fleas and looking for lice in your fur. You came from monkeys, start acting like it. Oh, come on. Give me a break, my friend. The words, the worlds were created by the spoken word of Almighty God. And we are created in His image. And my faith is going to be in the words of this book. But if you don't know what's in this book, you can't have faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? But we need to have works. Living faith produces living works. You know what? I cannot personally go into all the world. Because I'm just a human being. I'm stuck in one place in time and space. And I've got enough to do. I wouldn't want to have the ability to be in more than one place at the same time. Uh, I can't handle what I'm supposed to be doing. How about you? Uh, But the simple truth is, Our lives need to match up what's in this book. And you see, Jesus came to give us salvation, and we have come to take that message. Now, if I take words, works, and salvation as the business of the Father, what have I just described? The church. Okay, everybody together? The church that That's what I've described, haven't I? Isn't that what the church is about? It's about the Word. It's about living for Christ. It's about taking the message of salvation across the street and to the uttermost part of the earth. That is my Father's business. Can I ask you a question? How serious are you about the Father's business? How much a part of your life is the Father's business? It's a little easier for me because my whole life is about church. Has been my entire adult life. I left home when I was 17 years old, went to Bible college, and from that moment till this, it's just been about this. Not everybody has that privilege, and I do count it as a privilege. But I, I do want to tell you, before I was in the ministry, my life was about the church, even though I didn't understand what I do today. I remember dating a young lady and she told me, she said, my 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 only fear of dating you is that if I were in a house and the house were on fire, you'd be at church and let me burn up in it. And I'm sitting there going, I think about that. No, my house is in the church, so I would be there. Okay. No, I, I, I look back and I say, you know, I may not have said and done everything just the right way, but I was on the right track even then. Because our life needs to be about church. That's why I do what I do. That's why every one of us should do what If we're going to be about the Father's business. You know, we had a missions conference and the results were fantastic. But they're not staying fantastic, if I may say so. We, we need to be careful. The promises we make to keep them, to continue on in that path. Because we've got missionaries that are depending on us as a church. I'd like to take on some more missionaries. But right now, we can't add anything to our mission's budget. We need need to pray. That's part of our Father's business. We have a prayer meeting tonight. Least attended service of the week. Jesus spent three hours in Gethsemane before going to the cross. Does that tell you how important prayer is? what a part prayer ought to have in the Father's business. We've got some people in our church that are really hurting right now and really need our prayers. We need to see some miracles done at Union, Morris Park, Community. That's only going to happen when God's people get serious enough about the Father's business to pray. Prayer does not change God. Prayer does not empower God. Prayer changes us so that God is free to do what he wants to do. Amen? So the question is, wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? How serious are you about the father's business? And all God's people said, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, as the pastor of this church, I pray that you would make us a church that is serious about your business. That we understand our position as sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. And that you haven't finished Your business with this earth. There are still things that need to be done and things that You expect us to do. Oh, Lord, we are so glad that we can praise Your name for the finished work of Jesus Christ and His great power in obtaining an eternal salvation to whosoever will believe on Him. But, Lord, there's a lot of business that needs to be dealt with. And, Lord, we ask that You would make us serious Tell you what, they get serious on Wall Street. They really do. Lord, would you make us serious about the Father's business. That we may see the name of Jesus lifted high. And his glory revealed to this wicked world in which we live. We ask that you would work in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As Leland comes to lead the hymn of invitation. If